How you doing this morning? So far, so good, man. I'm waiting for that fall weather in Texas to come in, but it hadn't come yet, so I'm just waiting. How did fantasy go? I know you were playing without Dalvin Cook this week, and you couldn't manage to get Madison, so you make it out? I did make it out. I got my first win of the season. Woo! So that's that's a good that's a good sign of what's to come. Got some uh, got some more adjustments and things to figure out on the roster as we do every week. But other than that, I'm happy that we got our first win. So well, welcome back to the win column. It's been a yeah. few years. <laughs> it's been a while. Not due to losses, just due to time away. Right. Well, we're going to do our recap show of running through some of the locks, some of the close games that we picked wrong. We don't go through every single game from the past week, but we just go over some of the games that we just picked wrong. We work through figuring out what happened and how it's going to affect our outlook going forward. This past weekend, we only got a total of seven games incorrect. Two exclusively for you, five for both of us, but... Even though you're still getting more games incorrectly than my, you still have a higher confidence pick because you're just betting those confidence points so much more accurately than I am. And I have five more wins than you, but you still have five more confidence points total <laughs> than I do. Again, this is why we're here. This is why we did it this way. It's, it just adds a, a wild card to the whole scenario. Yes, it does. I like this so much better. And so just a quick reminder before we get started. Anybody that wants to pick along with us, we put the link to our ESPN Confidence Group in the show notes. You're able to pick along with us every single week. Okay, so starting off, Taylor, you picked the 49ers to beat the Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. What happened? Well, this is one of those games where it really was kind of hard for me to put a whole lot of confidence in in this pick. In fact, I remember just a few days before... uh, they actually played. I I told you I was like, man, I'm, now I'm kind of wondering if the Packers might win this. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just the big clincher for me in riding with San Francisco. I guess in this one is I felt good about them playing against Green Bay at home, and I do recognize the 49ers defense. I just I think it's very formidable, but it just didn't go the way that I expected. I, I expected it to be a close game. We definitely got an entertaining game to watch, but I thought defensively it it wasn't that great of a game, truthfully. But the 49ers, I felt, did keep in the fight. I thought they I thought they might close it there at the end, but it just goes to show that it doesn't really matter how much time you let Aaron Rodgers have left. 37 seconds still feels like an eternity with Aaron Rodgers on the field. So he makes two tremendous throws, but I felt that the defense for the 49ers, their coverages were some mistake coverages. I don't know why they went in such a, a zone mode of uh, towards the end there. Those receivers were able to get in those gaps that the 49ers had left wide open, and Rodgers just puts dimes on those guys right there in those little open gaps. So I felt that the 49ers really should have gone in a strict man coverage at that point in the game. But it happened, two big throws, and 49ers lose to the Packers by a field goal kick. And yeah, Devonta Adams coming back into the game, I'm not sure if you saw this hit, somehow wasn't a penalty. It looked like the prototypical hit that they are trying to remove from the game. A defender not even having his hands in front of him, leading with the helmet and knocked Devontae Adams out for a little while, but he ends up coming back. 12 receptions, 132 yards in a touchdown game. 
you wagered a total of two confidence points, so not a costly loss for you. I wagered four, so not a hugely beneficial gain for me as well. <laughs> this was an entertaining game. I, I really expected Green Bay to come away with this win, but I didn't expect San Francisco to keep it as close as they did. There just seems to be so much inconsistency from the weapons being used in San Francisco. I don't know anything about how Kyle Shanahan runs this offense, how he plans their their attack and all these sorts of things. But it just seems like there are a lot of moving pieces. And I don't know if that is always to a benefit. That could just be because I've never seen anything like it. It's certainly an ingenuitive approach to this offense. But at some point, I just want a playmaker other than George Kittle. Sure, Debo Samuel has a good game here too, but you want guys that can carry the load. Like if Kyle Shanahan can get a guy like a like an Aaron Rodgers, I know that was a lot of talk coming into this game in terms of this past offseason. He gets a guy like Trey Lance in the draft. If one of these guys can really step up and help him out, very similar to what we saw Matt Stafford come in to do with McVay, I think the sky is the limit for this offense. But in the meantime, it seems like the prophecy that he is trying to put in place for this offense is just ultimately going to fall short due to roster talent. And I don't know if I'm reading that right or if this is just something new that we're, we're just now seeing with Kyle Shanahan. It sounds like what you're saying is that the 49ers don't necessarily have an offensive identity. Is that correct? I think that's the much simpler way of explaining it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think Trey Lance is the hope of being that one day. And we got some opportunities to see him come in near those goal line stands and he managed to want run one in and so there's there's clearly like some uh there's some talent to this kid and what he can do on his feet that Garoppolo necessarily doesn't do so there's just some unique variables there to the offense when Trey Lance is in there at quarterback the best thing for him right now is to kind of just sit and take his time and learn this offense just even being on the sideline and seeing how Garoppolo operates with Shanahan. So I think it's smart not to rush this kid in. I agree. I, I think we're we're seeing what the other side of that coin looks like in, in what's going on in Chicago, that if you just throw a guy in way too soon, certainly the Bears offense is in a much different state than the 49ers offense, but there is plenty to be gained from sitting a guy for a year. You have a guy who's an established pro with Jimmy Garoppolo showing him the rope. Next week, the 49ers will be taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Should be an angry game from both of them as they both came away with losses this week. More on Seattle a little bit later. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and move into our next game, which was, as we talked about, as most of the media talked about, was widely considered game of the week. We picked the Buccaneers to beat the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. Now, you and I didn't expect too much of a guarantee here. You only wagered six points. I only wagered three. It was one of my close games to watch. However, the Rams were able to come away with a win here. Matt Stafford was just playing lights out. Four touchdowns, 343 yards. Cooper Cup will not stop. Normally, we're used to in fantasy seeing these guys kind of fall off after their little two-week hike. How capable that defense is, we'll find out soon enough. But nonetheless, Cooper Cup, great game. Robert Woods is starting to frustrate fantasy owners. There seems to be more action going through the Cooper Cup side of the ball, and I don't know if that is going to last forever. I think Robert Woods just had so much production last season that it's just one of those, you got to key on this guy. You got to make sure that Robert Woods just doesn't make this explode. He can run the ball. He does 
these screen routes or, or, or motion routes behind the behind the quarterback that'll end up turning into screens. Robert Woods is an X factor for that offense. There is no doubt about that. But in the meantime, Cooper Cup seems to be the highlight reel. Taylor, we saw the Buccaneers struggle consistently against this Rams defense. It was a much different performance than we've seen against this Rams defense. Aaron Donald got plenty of pressure up in Tom Brady's face. Jalen Ramsey was seemed to be all over Gronk in the red zone. It was a great showing. Tell me what you liked from the Rams and tell me what maybe you didn't see from the Buccaneers that maybe you expected to see going into this matchup. We recognize that the Buccaneers do have a very stellar offensive line. I just love the Rams defense, obviously. And the best thing that they can do is be so disruptive in the pocket, which with Aaron Donald alone, that's going to happen. And that guy, he's so talented and so skilled that he was able to disrupt the pocket and make things a little bit uh, difficult and uncomfortable for Brady. I mean, Brady was getting hit in this game, but not like not in a bad hit necessarily, but he was getting disrupted and getting getting he got the ball stripped from him at one point and get knocked on the ground a bit. So usually we don't see that happening to Brady very often. Brady's just so uh, he's always protected well and he gets the ball out quickly. But this Rams defense was so capable. Gronk took a really big shot there in the ribs at one point. I mean, I don't even think he looked too, uh, too comfortable while he was out there. But that's the thing about the Buccaneers is despite all this, they still have a plethora of weapons to work with. But it just didn't matter to this Rams defense. They're just they're like, throw anyone at us. We'll take care of business. And they did take care of business, holding Tampa Bay to, to 24 points, I, I think is pretty darn good. At one point, I think it was 34 to 17. And so that's what I came away most impressed with. But also, this Rams offense is just firing on all cylinders. I mean, we knew the talent this t has, team has had over the past few years. And then you insert Matt Stafford at quarterback and just look at how much better this offense looks. It just goes to show you that all those years Matt Stafford had been playing in Detroit, like, this was just a diamond who was just playing for a terrible franchise. He is just going off. Everything just seems to run more fluid and fast with him. He's just got a lot of things to work with. It kind of, We were talking about this, but going into this game, these two teams kind of looked like they resembled one another in some ways. But for the Rams to win in the fashion they did against the Buccaneers was really, really impressive. And I just, I got to give a lot of credit to that defense and the way they held, they, they clamped down on that Buccaneers offense. Do you think the Rams are the number one team in the NFL now? I think so, Cody. I was thinking about that a lot uh, last night, but I think you got to recognize them as the hottest number one team right now. Okay. I was just curious. We'll cover more of that on our Wednesday show. In the meantime, we'll continue forward with our recap. Our next highlight game was the Chiefs losing to the Chargers. You and I both picked the Chiefs to come back and rebound heavily after losing to the Ravens last week. They drop now two consecutively and sit at the bottom of the AFC West, I believe for the first time since Patrick Mahomes' tenure in Kansas City. Justin Herbert played lights out again. The other quarterback in Los Angeles that threw for four touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball throws two interceptions. At one point, they had three consecutive turnovers between a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble 
and two Patrick Mahomes interceptions. This Chiefs offense appears to be getting figured out. However, you brought up a point in regards to their defense. I want to hear what you saw and what is going to affect your outlook on the Chiefs going forward. If you can't stop the run, you're setting yourself up for some failure. I mean, that's the thing that the stood out that stands out to me the most with the Chiefs is their inability to stop the run consistently and well. And the uh but the other part of it is I thought I thought on the pass defense, they had some good coverages at points. A lot of a lot of penalties were called on them, unfortunately, with pass interferences and things like that. But the Chargers weapons are really good when you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen out there doing what they do. But I, I'm just not impressed right now with the Chiefs and their defense. They're allowing way too many points. You can be in shootouts all day long. You know, Mahomes has that ability that he can score points at will. But if the defense can't make stops and there's going to be turnovers on the Chiefs side of the ball, then when you go up against an offense like the Chargers, who's they're no scrubs, that offense knows how to score and be productive as well. The Chiefs are going to have some problems. And I actually think now this makes the AFC West a little bit more of an open competition now among other teams in that in that division. So, yeah, the Chiefs are exposed. For the second straight week, and it's something we pointed out last week, Tyreek Hill was held to only 11 yards rushing and 56 yards receiving. That is a much smaller impact than we are used to seeing from Tyreek Hill. The Ravens may have placed a blueprint down for defenses containing this Chiefs offense. I'm interested to see how it goes going forward, but Travis Kelsey is still the guy in terms of the receiving targets. He racks up seven receptions, 104 yards, no touchdown, but still incredible game. This Chiefs offense cannot move as quickly when you take the high throttle ability of Tyreek Hill off the table. I'm very interested to see how this goes because this team looks like they need to readjust that offense. Now, all of this is a disclaimer because we saw Andy Reid go to the hospital immediately after this game with health problems. There was no further information given other than he was not feeling good during the game and in which case had to go to the hospital afterwards. I'm going to chalk that up as an impact to some extent for this game. We'll see how that goes up. Yeah, and he checked out well. I found out that there was a report that medically came out that he's okay, so he should be okay. Definitely want that guy back on the sideline as soon as possible. So our next game continuing on was the Steelers hosting the Bengals. I expected this Bengals team to be more of the same, and I expected the Steelers team to be much improved that came away with a close loss to a Raiders team who appeared to be more of a contender, at least at this point of the season. However, Ben Roethlisberger comes away with two interceptions off of 58 attempts. We have seen this stat line for Ben Roethlisberger, maybe not as many interceptions, but that is not their strength right now from an offensive standpoint. That defense can hang and cause problems from the defensive front to the secondary. But Roethlisberger, his discomfort in the pocket is now starting to affect things outside of the passing game itself. But Joe Burrow looks great. It looks like he didn't need to use too much of his offensive ability to really carry this. Only 18 pass attempts, but three touchdowns off of it. Joe Mixon comes away with 90 yards receiving. Jamar Chase is connecting really well, obviously, in T. Higgins' absence. 
Taylor, what is going on with the Steelers? Do you believe that they are even a playoff team after a performance like this? I don't know. It's really hard to say. They're getting Najee Harris going, which is great, but Ben just doesn't look well. He doesn't look very good. He doesn't look very sharp. I'm not really sure what's been difficult for him. He just it doesn't seem like he can really get the ball downfield, which makes it difficult. I'm I'm actually surprised by the way that this this is going for them. This was one of my locks this week, so I took a big hit here considering that I wagered 14 confidence points on it. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you wagered 10, so still big hits against our total tally on the season. Really unexpected win for Cincinnati here. I think this more pulls down Pittsburgh's outlook rather than raises Cincinnati's outlook on the season. Would you agree with that? Yes, this I because I I think the Steelers are in are in they're in a problem area right now. But I'm not about to sit here and say that this elevates the Bengals more. I mean, I think it's just one of those one of those deals where the Steelers just played very poorly, but the but the Bengals weren't making mistakes and defensively they did play really well despite, you know, even Najee Harris getting so much production that he did. But aside from all that, yes, this says more about the Steelers right now than it does about the Bengals. I'm not about to get back on the Bengals bandwagon or anything here. Things don't get any easier for Pittsburgh next week as they go to play that bad man from Green Bay next week. So moving forward, we have a game that happened in Minnesota between the Seahawks and the Vikings. Something we have always talked about was that the Seahawks tend to play to the level of their opponent. This appeared to be the case. The Vikings get a much-needed culture win, but we didn't expect it. Tell me what you saw and what went wrong. Well, the Seahawks' defense is not playing really well. The secondary, I felt, has been playing really poorly, especially for the Seahawks. They're just... It looked like Justin Jefferson just kind of, he made this one sweet cut to get into the end zone and score a touchdown there at one point I saw. And there just seems to be some miscues and such where generally the Seahawks have always been somewhat pretty sharp on these areas on the defensive side of the ball. This isn't the Legion of Boom of old. This is an entirely different defense. And I honestly think that's what's really hindering the Seahawks here because offensively they're capable, but defense wasn't making stops and the Vikings played well enough to be able to contain Russell Wilson in that offense and to get the win. And so I I mean it's a little bit surprising, but it's hard to say how much better the Seahawks are. But one little thing I'd like to mention is on the Vikings side of the ball, I feel like the fir- these first 3 games Kirk Cousins has played very well and especially from the standpoint of not turning over the football so he's got eight touchdowns through three games, no interceptions. That's really impressive. Like he's he's just playing really smart and doing a really good job. But man, where are you at at this point right now with the Seahawks? I this is one of those teams where it's like, will they ever be like that good team that's just leading the pack? I feel like in the last several years they just they haven't been that team. They've always seemed to kind of come up short within themselves, but. Where do you stand at this point right now with the Seattle Seahawks, Cody? So I'm going to take the long way around for answering that question. Something we talk about frequently is whenever teams from their season end production have not moved too much in terms of their placement and the draft and final rankings, whatever you want to call it, the Seahawks have been that fringe playoff team. Sometimes they've missed it, but you know, roughly 
one of those first or second round exits since their Super Bowl run. I am not under the impression that Russell Wilson is making this team worse. I think this is becoming a play calling issue. There are some issues here that Seahawks had to deal with. DK Metcalf had to leave the, the field for a period of time. Tyler Lockett obviously left the field, took away the home run ball that has proved so effective in the past few weeks. And Chris Carson still had a productive game. I don't think a potential can be improved upon with this current coaching staff. I think it's one of the surprise hot seats that I will present later this month. But Pete Carroll has to adjust here. You are not better off without Russell Wilson you might be better off without Pete Carroll. And that's going to be something that I carry forward in terms of my season outlook for this team. With that, we're going to go into our next game of coverage. This was such an odd game. And I, I expected the matchup of Bill Belichick versus Jameis Winston to be a shoo-in. We know his record against rookie quarterbacks. I hate to say it, but we know Jameis Winston makes rookie mistakes of not giving up on plays and just hunking it deep. And I was surprised. I didn't expect this. And now maybe I was looking at the wrong side of the ball as it seems that the Saints came away with three interceptions against Mac Jones. What questions did you come up with from this game? I think for the for me with the Saints is, I guess I've just kind of wondered how good can this team be, even with Jameis Winston as their quarterback now. But it looks like the Saints still have these capabilities to still be successful in large part because I just think Sean Payton's a brilliant coach. Sure. That's probably the the matchup that I really should have focused on more than Belichick versus Jameis. I guess for me right now, I, I can't really put my finger on where I think the Patriots are at right now. Well, I mean, that mostly, I expect the Patriots to be one of those AFC representatives in the playoff picture. I expected them to be a contender for the AFC East. That I don't believe is out of the question yet either. I expected this to be one of the most improved teams from what we saw last year. And they were, I believe, just shy of 500 record last year. And I expected with all the money that they were throwing into their defense through free agency, through their offense with the, with the Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith acquisition, I don't know what is going on here. I know Josh McDaniels has been there for a while. I don't think the issues are with Belichick, however many interview or sound bites that we hear from a Tom Brady interview. I don't know. They have a matchup next week against Tampa Bay. We know everything that is implied with that matchup. I don't want to say I'm out on the Patriots. I don't want to say they are not capable of causing disruption in this league this season, but I don't know how much to that extent they are on either side of the table. So I know that sounds kind of wishy-washy, but you know we're only in week three. so. I'll wait and see. So moving into our final game. Now, this was our closest game of the week. We didn't know anything. We knew one team was going to have to come away with a win, but that was the Falcons against the Giants. I believed the Falcons showed more to me to beat the Giants here. But again, it was really a coin flip in terms of who was really going to come away with the win. You picked the Giants here. Tell me what you saw here. I just like the weapons and and what I have what I, especially from what I saw from the Giants last week, despite their loss, all I just felt simply put if the Giants can just be smart and clean up their mistakes, 
they've got the ability to put points up, and I think they've got the defense to bat and battle against the Falcons. So I just thought that there was enough there for me that I thought, you know, I don't think this is going to be a runaway game. I feel like both of these teams were kind of in similar similar spots. I just thought that the Giants had a little bit more oomph uh, from what I could take away from seeing them play to enough there just to just to skate by and beat the Falcons. The result and the way that it went, I, I was expecting more points to be shown from both teams. But uh, def- I think defensively, they both managed to to hold up pretty well against each other. It's just that it came down to a field goal with the Falcons taking that. So kind of similar deal, uh, what we talked about earlier, just from the 49ers-Packers game. You know, enough enough time is there that Matt Ryan has enough to work with. And so, yeah, it's one of those I'm like, I, I, I missed out on one point, whatever. I mean, it, some of these games are just kind of weird and goofy to me. I can't really figure it out. So I got that one wrong. From the fantasy side of the ball, there are plenty of players that picked Saquon Barkley with their first or maybe even an early second round pick, and we finally saw him touch the end zone. It was a moment that I believe all NFL fans were cheering for first end zone touch and since his injury and of all the players who have been playing well this season Daniel Jones has one of his worst weeks it's also Saquon Barkley seemed to be the focal point that they wanted to get involved in this offensive game plan and that worked out very well Saquon Barkley 50 yards rushing touchdown 43 yards receiving off of six receptions so finally getting to see at least a piece of that highlight reel that we drafted and it was good to see That covers all of our misses from the past week. Again, seven total misses, two on yours, five shared. I'm not rubbing it in. I'm just saying I did better. (laughs) Okay, I got you. We have a little bit of time left. Let's cut into a very quick Monday Night Football preview. We have Philadelphia traveling down to Dallas. Great NFC East matchup. These guys always make a show out of it. What do you expect in in a quick soundbite? Well, I've got 12 points here wagered on the Dallas Cowboys to get the victory tonight. I think what I'm interested in seeing is just, one, I'm curious to see how productive this Cowboys offense can be. How good can they be? I, we've, we've always pointed out that, that, that the Cowboys haven't ever been short on their talent. I don't necessarily know where everybody stands on the injury report for this game. I am interested in seeing just how productive the Cowboys can be from that side of the ball. On the Eagles side, well, I think we're all pretty intrigued at this at this point right now by Jalen Hurts and the way he's been playing. And so there seems to be a lot uh, riding on his shoulders for the Eagles to have success. Um, so it, it's an interesting game. I, I mean, we had the Eagles being a, a top five pick, but they're playing. They've played pretty well these first two games. Granted, it's still very early. So they've got a good test here to see how they stand against the Cowboys. I think they need to really show out tonight, but I believe that they've got the talent and ability to really do that. That's why I've got, I've confidently picking them uh, for this game and hopefully will merit 12 points from it. I wagered a similar amount. I wagered 11 points on this game. I expect something similar that the Cowboys just have a more proficient offensive side of the ball and maybe more talent on the defensive side of the ball. I know the Cowboys are dealing with some injuries from the receiver side. We obviously know Michael Gallup being on IR, Amari Cooper with his lingering injury. So we'll see how that adjusts the production here. 
I'm still not ready for them to shift their offensive game plan to allow Dak to be scrambling and taking all these hits and all this. I still want to see more production running the ball, which I believe is available to be done here from the Cowboys. We know Tony Pollard is a guy. We know Ezekiel has proven to be a guy in the past. But Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni are both going to have to establish that they are the guys that are there to lead their franchises and this group of guys into a win, particularly in a primetime Monday night game. That wraps up all of our week three. We'll be back again on Wednesday to cover our week four set of locks and close games. Taylor, it was fun talking to you this morning. I'll see you on Wednesday. See you on Wednesday, brother. All right. Adios. Adios.